serve a God that is mighty. And man, my grandmother used to say this, the same thing that the song was saying, that he sits high and he looks low. I, I know this is, this is bad English, but we serve a, the, the, the bigness of our God. I know that's like, man, that's bad. That's good theology right there. That God, you know, the, they, they would put it this way, that God is transcendent. He's big. He's above us. But yet in the same time with him being so big, he is so near to us in the person of Jesus Christ. He did not create all of creation, create you, and then separate himself because he was so big. But yet he decided to become vulnerable enough to come down, breathe the air that he created, get in a womb that he created so that he could be imminent with us and intimate at the same time. We serve a mighty God. Amen. Well, welcome. Welcome to Epiphany Church, guys. Uh, this is a church that, uh, that believes that we exist to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. Uh, anytime we get to gather together, it is a good, good, good time. I, you can say it all the time, but you can worship at home, in the bed. Uh, but it's something good about coming together with the body of Christ. Here's what Paul said about the church in, in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. He said, this is the church pillar ground in truth, the church of the living God. This is the place where we come to allow the gospel to bear its weight on us. We come to open up the scriptures and sometimes leave out, leave out of here rejoicing and sometimes leaving out of here convicted. Sometimes leaving out of here. If you leave every Sunday, you're like, amen. You, something's not right. Sometimes you should leave here offended. You should leave here aggravated because God actually got at you. So we are grateful uh, thank you to all of our first-time visitors. If this is your first time here, we welcome you. We are grateful that you are here. There's close to 700 churches in the borough of Brooklyn, and you decided to come worship with us today. We take that as a big deal. So thank you guys for coming today. Well, listen, I'm eager to preach the Word of God, and we have a lot to do in a short amount of time to do it in. So if you guys can grab your Bibles and meet me in the book of Luke. Once you get to Luke, if you could turn over to Luke 17. For those who are familiar with our church, we've been going through the book of 1 Peter. We actually finished it uh, a few weeks ago, and so we've been in some standalone series, uh, standalone sermons between books. We feel most comfortable in books. However, um, the Lord is leading us in some different directions for the next few weeks until we get into another book of the Bible. So today we'll be in Luke chapter 17. If you're there, why don't you just go ahead and say there. If you're still flipping, I hear pages. If you're still flipping, say, hold up, bro. Y'all just wanted to say it. Y'all already there. All right, pick me up in verse number 11. Luke 17, verse 11 says this. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee, and he entered a village. He was met by 10 lepers, you should circle that, who stood at a distance and lifted up their voice saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Verse 14, when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return to give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. I want to preach today from the topic entitled, lifting right out of one of the questions that Jesus asked, were not ten cleansed? 
Let us pray. Father, this morning we are grateful and excited for another opportunity to be able to engage your word. We do not approach this moment thinking that we can understand this by uh, just some understanding of our own. We need the Holy Spirit to move in this room. I need the Holy Spirit to preach, and everyone in this room needs the Holy Spirit to hear. So would you open our eyes so that we may behold the wondrous things out of your law? Would you remove the spiritual earwax from our ears so that we can hear your words clearly today? Father, even as we are coming off of um, a Thanksgiving season, many of us have given thanks for materialistic stuff. But few of us in this room have really gave you the praise and the honor that you deserve, the thanks that you deserve. And in our text this morning, Lord, we get to see how thanksgiving really shows up in the form of praise. So, Father, this morning we corporately come together today so that you could speak to us about what it is that you, how you want us to praise you, how you want us to give you adoration and thanks. It is in your son's name. May he be glorified in our time. Everybody say amen. Word not ten cleansed. In 1942, there was a guy by the name of Eddie Rickenbacker. And this guy was, um, he, he used to do something so weird. Every day he would go down, he's presumably, presumably it was weird, he would go down to the, to the dock with a pocket full of shrimp. And when he would go down to the dock, he would take out the shrimp and he would toss it out to the seagulls. And every time he would toss it out, he would say, thank you, thank you, thank you. And this little boy was observing him do this, and he built up enough courage to ask this man, why were you tossing out shrimp and saying thank you? Well, the man began to tell him a story of how he was a war, World War II vet. And when he was in war, he was a pilot, and his plane got hit, and it went down into the ocean. And when he went down to the ocean, him and eight other passengers survived. They jumped into a, two different life uh, rafts, and survived for 30 days on the sea. Now, here's the interesting thing. They did not die because of, um, because of sharks, because of the sun, but it was starvation that almost killed them. But every afternoon, Mr. Eddy would always have afternoon devotion. And one day, he was just tired. He was hungry. He was exhausted. He was battling depression. As he is sitting on this ocean, floating, not knowing where he's going, he decided he was not going to have devotion this afternoon, but rather he was going to go to sleep. This is a true story. So he took a nap, and when he took a nap, a seagull fell on his shoulder. And he woke up, and in desperation, knowing that he was miles and miles away from the shore, he grabbed the seagull, and him and his eight other companions began to eat the flesh of the seagull. And in the midst of eating the flesh, they took out the intestines, and they used them as bait to fish. And so he began to tell this young boy, he said, you know, every day I come down to this dock and I feed the seagulls because I deem it disrespectful not to say thank you when someone has died for you. Here's the reality. Someone has died for every single person in this room. And in this season of gratitude, in this season of thanksgiving, have you said thank you for the cross of Jesus Christ? In our text this morning, we get presented with what gratitude looks like. And as I said in my prayer, we get to see that thanksgiving and gratitude really shows up in the form of praise. And really, a grateful heart is a great platform to launch off praise uh, and adoration. And we'll see in the text that it's, it's interchangeable. You cannot separate praise and thanksgiving. And so if you're thankful people in this room, if you walked in here with a heart of gratitude for what Christ has done for you, it should, you should not be quiet. 
If you walked in here with thanksgiving on your heart, you should audibly say, thank you, Lord. In our text this morning, we get presented with a suitable, uh, motivating person to see what thanksgiving looks like. Why don't you consider the text with me? Verse number 11 says this. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And he entered a village and he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance. Notice something here in the opening verse, uh, verse 11 and verse number 12. We get introduced to the fact that they are not in Samaria. They are not in Galilee. But the text tells us that they are passing through into Jerusalem between uh, Galilee and Samaria. And as they're passing through, they're in an unnamed village. Now, many will say that this unnamed village is a village that many lepers would have hung out because leper, if you had leprosy, you were you were isolated. You were distant from community. But Jesus is walking in this unnamed village and he sees 10 lepers. It's important for us to unpack what leprosy is. Today, it's called Hansen's disease. And it's important for you to know that that at least 40 times over 40 times in the Bible, you'll see leprosy is mentioned. Leprosy is a deadly disease. It was the most feared disease in ancient times. In fact, it was so feared that if you did have leprosy, you were diagnosed by the priest, Leviticus 13 and 14, you were diagnosed by the priest. And if they deemed you as having leprosy, they shunned you. You were outside, not just, not just outside of community, outside of the city. You weren't allowed in Jerusalem, which is why they're in an unnamed. I'm not surprised Jesus runs up on them in an unnamed village. He doesn't run up on them in Jerusalem because they are isolated. And this disease called leprosy is deadly. This disease is hopeless and absolutely incurable. And many will suggest if you had leprosy, you could physically see it. In fact, read Leviticus 13 when you get home. It, it is a gross, gross chapter. Read it. It talks about the hairs coming out of boils and white hairs. And this is how you can diagnose it and, and identify what leprosy is. Many commentators said leprosy, if a person had leprosy, he looked like he literally climbed out of a grave. Because although you were alive, your body was decaying. So you could physically see what leprosy looks like. And if you had leprosy, if one person had leprosy, it was enough to freak a normal person out. Jesus is so dope. He rolls up on 10 of them and is not afraid. He's not fearful. He's not saying get away. But Jesus actually engages not one of them, but actually 10 of them. A colony of lepers all joined together by a common thread of an illness. Notice, that's the only thing that brings them together. The uniting characteristic we get in the text is that they have leprosy. That's it. And here's the crazy thing. We're going to see in the text that nine of them are at least, might be possibly, very strongly, it's possible that they're Jews. One of them is a Samaritan. And if anybody knows anything about Samaritans and Jews, they did not get along. But here we are with 10 of them joined together in a tight community because of their dysfunction. And let me pause here and just pastor some of you people. This isn't in my notes at all, but let me pastor you and tell you never join and connect with people based on common dysfunction. You know how many people get married because they like, listen, your daddy disowned you. My daddy disowned me. Let's get married. It must be the Lord. No, that might not. That might not be the Lord. That's not a good idea to get married. You know, the, the, the term uh, misery loves company, that is a true statement, but it is a horrible reason to get married. 
You have financial issues. I got financial issues. Let's come together. No, let's not. Let's work on our finances. Then we could talk about coming together and get together. Never join in because of your common dysfunction. But here we are with 10 lepers. They're all together. And to cure one of them, man thought it was impossible. It's impossible to cure leprosy. But here we are. Jesus flexes his muscle, not curing one, but 10. And does it in such a dope way. We'll get to it in a moment. So what Jesus, what Jesus does here, what these lepers do here, here is they plead for Jesus to heal them. And they realize that they're at their wits end. They know that no doctor can heal them, no herbal care specialist, no therapist, no friends counsel, no advice from family members can cure them. The only thing that is able to cure these 10 lepers is Jesus. That's it. And I don't know if you're at that place in your life where you've come to your wits end, you've tried everything out and nothing else works. And that might be a place where Jesus has you backed in the corner because the only thing he wants you to lean and depend on is him. And in our text this morning, we see these 10 lepers are leaning deeply on Jesus Christ. Now, let's see what they're doing, because they're not just standing there. They're actually saying something to Jesus. Look at verse number 12. And he entered a village and he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance. Watch what they said and lifted up their voice saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. We do not know if these lepers said it one time. We do not know if they were persistent in what they were saying. Neither one of those makes a difference. Here's what we know. We know that they had an issue, a common issue, and they know they knew the only place they could take it was Jesus Christ. And apparently the news about Jesus and the fame and the notoriety of Jesus started to spread because he was not just known in Jerusalem. He was not just known in Galilee and in Samaria and in Nazareth. He was known in unnamed villages, so much so that they not only know that Jesus is able to heal them, but they know what he looks like. So in other words, Jesus' fame started to spread abroad. And when they do finally get an audience with Jesus, please don't miss this. When they get a, a moment and an audience with Jesus, they do not plead for Jesus to heal them because they're good people. They don't say, remember, 10 of them, at least nine of them might be Jews. They did not say, heal us because we obeyed the law. They did not say, heal us because we've, you know that good stuff that we didn't know. When they finally get an audience before Jesus, they plead for the only thing they can plead for, mercy. That's the only thing they say. And let me go ahead and, and put you on blast this morning. Some of you just are too entitled. You think you deserve for Christ to bless you. But can I promise you, the only thing you deserve is death. If you get life, it's mercy. If you get life, it's God's grace. And in our text this morning, these 10 lepers don't say heal us because we're good people. They say heal us because we need your mercy and because we need your grace. 10 lepers, all Christ, like a, a concert, like a choir of lepers, all calling out for the same thing. And they're calling out for mercy. And here's what they should be calling out for. They should be saying unclean, unclean. Can I put Bible there? Leviticus chapter 13, verse 45 and 46. This is what a leper was supposed to do. It says a leprous person who has a disease shall wear torn clothes and let his hair hang loose and he shall cover his upper lip. Watch this and cry out unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall he shall live alone. 
His dwelling shall be outside of the camp, again, which is why he's outside of Jerusalem. Can you imagine this? The lepers, if they had leprosy, when they came around people or they came in contact with people that didn't have leprosy, they were supposed to cry out, unclean, unclean. Can you imagine doing that with your own dysfunction? Like imagine every time you had to meet somebody, you had to say what you struggle with. Every time you meet them, like, hey, my name is so-and-so, I struggle with porn. Hey, my name is so-and-so, I, I, I struggle with lying. I can't stop stealing. Like, what if you had to put yourself on blast every time you met somebody? These lepers had to cry out, unclean, unclean. But here's the beautiful part of this story. They see Jesus in an unnamed village, the son of the living God, and they do not say, unclean, unclean. They see Jesus and say, mercy. They plead for mercy in the midst of a time that they should be pleading for being unclean. When I was in high school, and I wasn't even like upper class, I was like freshman in high school, my friends and I decided that we were going to go to a, a, a club that we were underage for. One of my friends knew the bouncer, and so we said, we're going to go to this club and, and, you know, and get in, and we're going to try to look older and get inside. And we, we actually got to the club, and the bouncer knew the guy, so he was like, come on in. He snuck me and my friends in, and we find this a Jamaican club, too, so you know we was partying. <laughs> we get inside the club. This is before my Jesus days. We got into the club. Once you get in the club, you can buy drinks and they don't card you because you were supposed to be carded at the door. So we finally get inside the club. We get some drinks. We smoke and we acting like we all call this before Jesus days. <laughs> we finally get inside and we having a good time. In about 20, 25 minutes inside the club, a fool decides to pull out a gun because somebody spilled drinks on his new sneakers. And he pulled out a gun and started shooting in the club. Now, in that moment, I didn't plead for, I didn't say, Lord, save me because I am a good person. First of all, I'm in the club underage drinking and smoking. I can't say, Lord, I'm good at this point. And so I sit there and I curl up in the ball and I plead for the only thing I could plead for. Mercy, Lord. Have mercy on me. And I don't know if you've ever gotten there where the Lord has taken everything from you. And the only thing you can cry out is for the Lord's mercy. Have you ever been there before? In our text, these Ten lepers are there. Here's something else they're not doing. They're not hiding their sickness. You ever run up on that, you know, that, that speak, it, they speak things that, that are not as though they were a person that's like, I'm not sick. I'm healed in Jesus' name, <coughs> coughing up lungs, but I'm healed in Jesus' name. Like, you know, no one ever in the text, in the scriptures, ever got healed by denying they were sick. Nobody. Like, imagine the woman with the issue of blood. Jesus walking up to her and saying, you know, what's wrong? How can, how can I help you? And she's like, nothing. I'm good. I'm healed in your name. Like, you wouldn't see her do that. These ten lepers aren't hiding their sickness because they're claiming things that are not. A, no, they see Jesus and they're like, we're sick. Have mercy on us. We need your grace. Now, what does Jesus do in our text? Jesus sees them pleading for mercy and Jesus not, does not just walk by them. See, one of the things I love about Jesus is ministry for Jesus was always on the run. Jesus never intentionally said, I'm going to this place and I'm going to heal this person. Most of the people in scripture that got healed got healed when Jesus was passing by. Like notice Jesus is on his way into Jerusalem. His stop was not supposed to be in this unnamed village, but he came across 10 lepers that needed him. And most of us in this room, see, we want to do ministry in an intentional way. But you never want to be, most of us need to get interrupted in order to do, like you need somebody to call you and say, I need help. And those are the best moments. 
to engage people. Jesus is walking by, sees 10 lepers, does not ignore them. He sees the 10 lepers and he actually engages them. Look at what he says in verse 14. He says, when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were clean. It's important for you to pick something up in the text. Jesus heals them in a very abnormal way. Notice Jesus doesn't say be clean. He never says that in our text this morning. Jesus doesn't even lay his hands on them. Now, before you say Jesus is being insensitive, because he, what he does is he heals them by sending them away. Notice the text. Jesus doesn't lay hands on them. And I know you might be thinking Jesus didn't want to lay hands on them because they had a, a leprosy, which was a skin disease. So they looked bad. They probably smelt bad. So Jesus was staying in far distance. This is abnormal because Jesus normally healed lepers by touching them. Let me put Bible there. Mark chapter 1, verse 40 and 41 says this. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling and said to him, if you will, make me clean. Watch what Jesus does. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand, and he touched him. And he said, I will be clean. What you see in our text is Jesus not touching, but don't get it twisted. Jesus absolutely heals lepers by touching them. I don't know if you remember the story. Some of you might have. I've told a story of... When I was riding in the car one day, I had a bag of, of uh, trash in my back seat, and there was a banana peel in it. You know, banana peels start to stink up a trash and, you know, a couple of hours later. And so I was like, let me pull off and, and throw this trash out because it's starting to stink. And so I pull into a Rite Aid, and when I pull in, I take the trash and throw it in the trash right outside of Rite Aid, and I catch eye contact with a homeless person. I see this homeless person, he sees me, and you know, living in New York, there's over 55,000 homeless people in New York. So sometimes you can just become numb to them. And as I see this man, he sees me, he asks me for a dollar. Now, this is payday. You know how we do on payday. Payday is like, you know, you pull out money. You never pull out money. You know, you go to Starbucks, you get the grande. You don't get the small. You get extra foam. You get a little cookie with it. You, do, you splurge on payday. And so this day, I had a little money in my, in my wallet. He asked for a dollar. I said, I'm going to give him a dollar. So I go on my wallet, and I start flipping through, and I flip past 20s, and I flip past 10s, and I flip past 5, and the Lord is convicting my heart as I'm flipping to give this man a dollar when the Holy Spirit said, give him everything in your wallet. Now, I was like, Lord, is that you? <laughs> like, that may be bad. Lunch I ate, something not right. I felt a little, little queasy in my stomach. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to obey. I'm going to give him everything in my wallet. So I pull out everything and I give it to him. And after I give it to him, the Holy Spirit didn't let up that day. He said, now pray with him. I said, no problem. I begin to share the gospel with this homeless man and begin to attempt to pray with him. And as I was about to pray with him, I said, sir, can I pray with you? And he said, absolutely. Now he stretched out his hand to hold my hand. Now, I don't know if you know anything about me, but I'm a germaphobe. I don't just, I don't just hold anybody's hands. And I'm looking at his fingernails and, you know, something in my heart's like, don't do that. You know, you gave him money. That's good enough. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. So I held his hand. Now, here's what I love about Jesus. Jesus holds the dirtiest parts of our life, yet we withhold our hand from people that we think are dirty. In the, in the midst of us being filthy, Jesus comes down and he holds our hand. Yes, Jesus heals lepers by touching them. But in our text, abnormally, he doesn't touch any of them. He flosses how dope he is. He sends them away without, heal without touching them, and he sends them away without saying be clean. What he was inviting them to do was participate by faith in their own healing. That's what he was, that's what he, in fact, when he healed them, 
He wasn't, he didn't heal them and then send them. By the way, if you look at how you were supposed to do this. So if a leper was cleansed or healed, you know, by God, he was supposed to go to the priest as a healed leper. But Jesus sends them away as they're still sick. Don't miss this. They don't get the healing until, look at the text. Let me get back to it because you don't believe me and you shouldn't. <laughs> look at the text, verse number 14. It says, and, he, and when he saw them, he said to them, go, show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. They were not clean while they were standing there. They got clean as they were going. Now, here's something else that's underneath the text. They did not know they were clean by looking in a mirror. They didn't have a mirror. They knew they were clean by looking at each other. Have no time to deal with what, that's why community is important. They looked at each other and said, oh, you look nice. Girl, you got some pearly whites and, you know, your flesh is looking all good. They got healed by walking and looking at each other. So this is why it's important for you not to be a believer in Jesus Christ and then isolated from community. Because healing happens in the midst of community. In our text, we get to see these 10 lepers participating. They're participating. Now, here's what I know. If I'm one of the 10 lepers, I'm going to want something a little bit more dramatic. Like, Jesus, I need you to, you know, do me like Benny Hinn. You know, Benny Hinn go like this. And the whole crowd like, bow. That's what I need. I need you to, like, do something dramatic. He doesn't do anything dramatic in the text. He, you know what I love about Benny Hinn? After he heals you, he walks around and go, you know, he do this one of these things. You know, hallelujah. Anyway, that's Benny Hinn for you. Listen to me. Jesus does not do a Benny Hinn style healing. He does not knock everybody out. All 10 of them don't fall out on the ground. What he does is sends them away and says, go show yourself to the priest, which, by the way, means they had to take a journey into Jerusalem. If you've never been to Israel, listen to me. Journeying into Jerusalem from anywhere was a tough journey because Jerusalem is all hills. It's a place in, in, in Psalms, I think it's Psalms 25, that says, as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people. I kid you not, standing in the midst of Jerusalem, it's all mountains. So to get in, they had to walk through mountains. They had to journey into Jerusalem. Why? Because there were no priests in an unnamed village. The priests were in Jerusalem. Jesus says, go. Go to Jerusalem. And when you get to Jerusalem, show yourself to the priests. Now, we might say this is the climax of the story. He's healed them. That's the climax. That's the point of why Jesus told this story. It's not. The point of why Jesus told this story is in verse 15 and 16. Look back at, at it with me. Verse 15. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. The Bible says, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now, he was a Samaritan. The Bible says that as 10 of them were going, nine of them either continued going or they went and broke off to their families to show that they were healed. But one of them does something different. One of them turns back around and goes to Jesus and praises him. Now, I'm a little charismatic. I grew up in Pentecostal church. This is what you call a praise break right here. He turns around. And what I love about this praise break is it's not quiet. It says he's praising God with a loud voice. Loud voice in the Greek literally is where we get our English word megaphone. 
He's praising God like a megaphone with a loud voice. And, you know, I, I don't know. You know, you might have been brought up where I don't do all that. I'm calm and collective. Listen, this, this one leper, the healed leper, was rambunctious. He was loud. He was embracing. He wanted to show Jesus. His thanksgiving showed up in a praise. Now, let me just go ahead and say to our church here, you know, I know we're a quiet church. We like to contemplate and meditate, and I'm all good. Do it. Listen, your meditation should lead you to an open, loud praise, because this is what we see in our text this morning, that it was not quiet. You know, we look at people in church that are loud and jump and scream. Like, when, we, when you realize you've been forgiven by Jesus Christ, it should lead to a loud praise. But we look at that person as though something's wrong with them. Yet we'll go home, we'll flip on the TV this afternoon, watch thousands of people pack into a stadium to watch an NFL game below zero, paint it all up with no shirt on, and we'll say that's a fan. But we come to church and say, it don't take all of that. Listen, it takes that and more. We've been healed spiritually by Jesus Christ. In our text, we get a charismatic praise break right here in verse number 15. You know you went to a charismatic church when they don't say the man of God. They say the man of God. <laughs> you got to put that D on it. It make it sound like spiritual. In our text this morning, we get to see them going to praise the man of God. Listen, this is a megaphone. Okay, so when you, when you praise God and you come in here and you just say, I'm just going to give him a little wave. Listen, that's not what's happening in our text. He was healed. And here's the crazy thing. He's not even saved yet. He's only been healed physically so far. And he uses his physical healing to praise Jesus Christ. Not just to praise him, but to do it in a way that he looked crazy. He got on his face. See, we don't want to praise God like that. Like, I'm, okay, I won't be loud and I'm certainly not going to look crazy. But that's what praise should look like. We should not hear the gospel and sit and be like, that's great. No, you get a gospel, you fall on your face. You hit the floor and praise Jesus Christ. That's what the text is pointing us to this morning. This is what it says. One of them turned back. Praising God with a loud voice, he fell on his face, giving thanks to him. Luke, the writer, lets us in also that he's a Samaritan. In other words, the one that should have came back was the nine, not that one. But the one that came back was the one that supposedly was the furthest from God. And I don't know about you, man, but the ones in this room that know that they were the furthest from the Lord should be the ones running to Jesus and falling on our face. Now, what does Jesus do? Jesus sees this. He sees the leper fall, the healed leper fall at his feet and praise him and give him thanks. What does he do? He asks three questions. Look back at the text with me. Verse 17 then Jesus answered, here's his three questions. We're not 10 cleansed. Where are the nine? Was no one found to return to give praise to God except for this foreigner? This foreigner, again, meaning he's not a part of the chosen people. He's not a part of Israel. This means that he was a Samaritan. He was outside. Now, let me answer the questions for Jesus. Yes, all 10 were healed. All nine of them either went on to Jerusalem and didn't give you thanks. But here's what I, what, what, what I know about the text. Up until this point, all 10 of them were identical. They all had leprosy. 
They were all in this unnamed village. They were all desperate. They all knew Jesus. They heard about Jesus. They all cried out with the same. It doesn't say they said different things. They all said the same thing. The only difference about them was nine was ungrateful and one was not. And his gratitude and thanksgiving showed up in a loud praise. And the one that came back didn't receive one miracle that day, but received two miracles. And can I suggest to you that the second miracle he received in verse 19 is greater than the miracle he received in verse 14. What do I mean? I'd rather have leprosy and die and know Jesus than be healed and not know Jesus and go to hell. Now, you might be saying, well, there's no difference. Like, how do you know that he was saved in verse number 19? Well, here's what I know. The word used in verse number 14 for cleansed is catharizo. This word literally means purified or cleansed. And so his body was cleansed. All 10 of them were cleansed. But the word that is used in verse 19, when he says, um, rise, go your way, your faith has made you well. The word used for made you well is sozo, which literally means delivered or salvation. So what you see here is that this one leper didn't just receive a physical restoration, but the greatest miracle in the text is verse 19, that he received salvation. And some of you in this room, you might be physically struggling. You might be, have physical ailments and maybe you were diagnosed with a, with a disease. And listen to me, the greatest miracle in your life, if you've trusted Jesus, the greatest miracle is that you have been saved from the wrath of God. Now, I know so many of us in this room are like, listen, God's wrath isn't out on me. But here's how Ephesians chapter two will say it. it says it says that we were all dead in our sins, which means you didn't have spiritual leprosy. You were dead. You weren't sick. You didn't need Theraflu. You didn't need Robitussin. You were in the morgue dead with a tag on your toe, which is crazy, which is why it's a greater miracle than physical healing, because he made a dead heart come alive. And if we can watch this leper or healed leper come back and praise God for physical healing, how is it that we are sitting in this room, if you've trusted in Jesus, saved from the wrath of God, and we're not giving thanks to God? And if you're in this room like, I give thanks to God, it should show up in how you praise God. It should show up in an audible, vocal way. In the text, this leper received two miracles, and one of them was greater than the other. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Some of you in this room, I, I don't want to be naive. I don't want to rush past the fact that some of you are in need of physical healing. Maybe there's somebody in here that hasn't told anybody about their illness. Maybe you've just got diagnosed. Listen, I want to pray that you were healed. But I want to go so far. And not just pray that you're healed, but I want to go so far and pray for your spiritual healing if you haven't trusted Jesus. If you haven't trusted Jesus in this room, here's what I love about Jesus. It's not too late. But there will be a moment where it is too late. But the moment right now, you have a chance to give your life to Jesus Christ. Do not underestimate verse 19. You need what the text calls sozo. You need salvation today. Father, I want to pray for everybody in this room. I first, Lord, want to pray for that physical healing. 
There is somebody in this room that is in desperate need of some type of physical restoration. Father, I have a a duty, according to James 1, those of you who are sick, the Bible tells us to call on the elders to pray. So I want to pray, Lord, in this room for every single person that is sick. Whether it is a major illness or a minor one, I want to pray for physical healing. Father, we got too much work to do for you. We got too much work to do in the kingdom to be sick. We got too much work to do in the kingdom to be laid up in the hospital. Father, heal us now. Even as I came in this morning, I was talking to one of the young ladies, Lord. She told me her husband is in the hospital right now. And Father, I pray that you would go to that hospital and heal that young man now by your glory and by your grace. You have power to do it, God. And we pray for physical healing in this room. Father, I'm going to go past physical healing and go to a greater healing. And that is the healing of our spiritual souls. First of all, let me thank you, Lord, for every person in this room that has trusted you, that has named the name of Jesus Christ, that has turned from their sin and said, Jesus is my Savior. But Father, the ones in this room that have not trusted you, would they be like the the ten lepers that pleaded for mercy? Would you save them by your grace, by faith alone, through grace alone, in Jesus Christ alone? Save them today, Lord. It's in Christ's name we pray.